What's up, everybody? It is it's Mother's Day. It's not just Sunday. It's Mother's Day. So first of all, um, I would just like to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And, you know, know that uh, I just think it's worth acknowledging um, that I am trying to spend time today praying and thinking about uh, folks who don't have moms that are around anymore. Um, folks that have, you know, other stuff that kind of can come up. I feel like uh, Mother's Day is a really great day to support my wife and, and to sort of just like love on her as much as possible. But then, um, and speaking of Mother's Day. They're having a big old, somebody's having a shindig across the way. All of our is, doors and windows are closed. They are having I it. I think you can might still pick um, up music. <laughs> but anyway, those of us, like I, Mother's Day is also bittersweet because it makes me really miss my mom too. So I also think of moms that have lost children, right? Yeah. You have the angels in heaven, like those, those are, those are hard days. Like it's, don't, it's not always that simple or yeah. black and white for people. There's all situations for out sure. there. So happy mother's day so, to you all. Before I talk about my Fisher price camera, mm. um, see that's Clint, that's holding them <laughs> in here. Uh, could you tell your mother's day story real quick that Marley told you? Oh yeah. So, well, it's, she just said something that like caught me off guard. Um, so yesterday I worked on a project that was like not a fun project to work on something that was a little bit arduous and I just didn't feel like doing it and I've been delaying. And so anyway, I tackled that project and started working on it and I was telling Marley about my experience with it. And she just looked at me and she goes, are you so proud of yourself? And I was like, it just kind of like, I didn't expect that to be her answer or like what she, her response. And so it took me, it caught me off guard and I thought, oh, I am, I am proud of myself. Like, yes, I am. And so it just made me think later of um, like, actually it was in the middle of the night that this like thought happened for me. Mm -hmm. I was, um, I just thought like, gosh, I am proud of myself. And I spent so much time as a mom being proud of like the people and folks around me and pouring into other people. It's easy to like forget that you need to be proud of yourself. And so I just want to tell like anybody who's a mama out there that like you pour into even teachers that like you don't even have to be mom. You can just be an educator and take this away. Like you pour in and tell your students like you're proud of them all the time. Remember to be proud of yourself like for when we do things and we accomplish things and you know it's we're always our hardest, everybody's their own hardest critic, but like to really like remember yourself and be proud of yourself is like so important. And I just, I got that from Marley reminding me, like asking me the question. It was so sweet. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. She is wonderful. Uh, and what a 13 year old. I know. Thing to say mm -hmm. And a good reminder. So, um, so look, we are not sure if, people if many people are going to show up for this day i see there's a bunch of people on here now but uh so this is like a if we if we if people show up show we'll up, have it if they we're, don't we're here um if it needs to end a little early that's fine too look it's end of the school year it's mother's day we just want to be consistent and show up every week and to, i'm gonna be real honest with you i asked my wife i was like should we do this today because it's <laughs> mother's day and i said sure why not yeah so cool um if you don't have a question, I'm going to talk about my Fisher Price camera. I mean, no, we do have a question. All right, go ahead. Hold on to that uh, Fisher Price camera. All right. All I know right. People are waiting. Yeah, Tracy is up first, asking why are teachers seen as entry level positions in education, while principals, directors, and academic coaches are considered steps above? Uh, I think she said that was in regard to, like, 
Oh, she said this is from um, salary, work conditions, respect within the school environment. That's a great question, it Tracy. Is. It's so funny, too, because I think it depends on where you're teaching, right? So I know people that um, I was talking to a guy that was telling me he does work out in, in Kansas with educators. And he said that this young woman that he knew all through high school, I think maybe it was one of his students. She went into college, she got into teaching. And within three years, they were pushing her towards administration. Oh no, wait, maybe it was after the first year, they were like, please become like, you should step into the assistant principal role. And this is someone that's 22, 23 years old, right? No shade to, to, if you're young, but there is a certain like, it's forgotten often that uh, that leadership is learned, that you have to learn how to lead. You are not simply managing. You're not simply checking off boxes. You need to show people that you can take them from something that's difficult to something that's better. You, you have to create this, this culture that people want to be a part of. And that is not just, that, that's not the same thing as leading a classroom. Um, but we push people into leadership so easily and so early sometimes, especially right now with as many, you know, people leaving education as there are. But, um, you know, I don't know, Trace, like I've actively stayed away from administration because I wanted to work with students. I didn't want to work with just problems. I didn't want to work with, um, there was nothing about at the time I, that might change now. Like that would be interesting for me to kind of think about that space, but like, there's, I just wanted to be with kids because I wanted that immediate interaction, right? And I felt like everyone I ever knew that was an assistant principal, all you did was deal with everybody else's problems all day. And principals have all these other things that they're dealing with that aren't like just education focused. It's budgets and all the other things. So yeah, I think that teachers are professionals, like the coaches and the managers of a sports organization aren't like they're important but they're no more or less important than you know the players the key players on on uh on the field so yeah i don't i i don't know why that is i can i can guess some things but i don't seems like it's backwards need, to me i don't know if the world just needs my speculation out there either mm. uh okay nasim does i'm gonna i'm gonna say oh, this you're going for it because i think traditionally think we look at teaching as women's work and we do not pay women the same amount as men and we don't give them the same amount of respect as men so um i think traditionally we look at leadership as men that's like a men's role and teachers are, is a women's role and so i think that that narrative whether we talk about it or not is out there and so i think that that has some that plays some i agree role there yeah i agree too so I, I think everyone else should too, but you know, <laughs> everybody has their own opinion. All right. Nassim is up next asking, how do you look for a good school that's unfamiliar? Oh man. I, you know, I think Nassim, when I'm looking for, if I, if that was my goal was to be at a really good school that is, I don't know, off the beaten path. Maybe like it doesn't show up on everyone's radar. It is, I, for me, it's always actively looking for it at every turn like you hear about a school you see about a school you maybe look stuff up uh 
in your news feed. Look up, um, check out schools that are doing great stuff like on Instagram, like look up your local area and see what kind of schools are doing what. I am always amazed when I find a new school that is doing incredible stuff that I didn't know about. So because I'm doing this documentary, there are a number of um, schools in Kansas that they looked at. Did I, oh, I Rusty's on here. Oh, right. oh awesome. So Rusty was talking about. Um, He's the uh, Cool Bikes Project. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so Rusty has a YouTube channel. Uh, I won't really want to check it out. I've not checked it out yet. He like restores old bikes and stuff like oh, that. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So anyway, Rusty was telling me about this, these two different schools were like, there's one school and it is in a very affluent school in Kansas that has like, like cheap medical care for educators. So if you or your kid need to go to the, I think it's, it goes this extensive. If you need to go to the dentist, if you need to have, um, you know, someone has an ear infection, like you, you have to go to the pediatrician, it's in the school. It's part of being a part of their school is you can just go down and get taken care of. I've also, you know, Rusty was telling me about another school where it's in a very small community, uh, but the community looks out for the teachers. So where they're lacking in pay, folks will help them out with like babysitting and other sort of like life essentials that would be really great, especially like my wife and I like growing up without like I didn't both my parents are deceased. Um, her mom lives in New Mexico. Dad was not always interested in babysitting. So it was like, <laughs> if you wanted to go on a date, it was, it was hard, man. You know, thank God for Romina. Um, one of my favorite students of all time who like is God, she's babysitting my kids next month. So we can go to Dallas together. Yeah. So, um, I, I just think that that is, it's, it's keeping your ear open, Nassim, for things that might be showing up that might you know, you just don't know when, where they're coming from, when they, when they will be there. So it's, it's, I think it's looking for that. And you're, I'm always surprised once I start trying to notice something, what sort of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Sort of. I think, and also just being curious when you, when you actually go to a school for an interview or any of those things are looking, it's like asking a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. That's yes. the best method. All right. Maisha is up next asking, as I look into the summer, I know I want to make extra money at my second job. How can I find a balance between working my second job and getting rest from the school year? So I, I think Maisha rest. So there's a couple of ways that I'm kind of looking at this this summer, because I know that like summer now for us is like full-time work mode. Right. Um, and there's two things I think uh, uh, this makes me think of. One, I think there's active rest periods, right? So when you talk about going to your job and really loving it, it's worth asking yourself if that's filling you up also, right? Like to go to Office Depot, to engage with customers, putting away products and knowing they're going to stay there and some kids not going to touch all of them. Uh, and <laughs> maybe, maybe have some uh, unruly child that comes in there with their parent and, you know, you'd have to deal with that. But it, I think rest can be active also. I think it's also, um, for me, it's finding, it's making the most of my time is, I think this is maybe a three prong idea, making the most of my time and making sure that, you know, my kids, it's really funny. They, my daughter has a list a mile long of things that she wants to do on a Saturday. 
but often she won't wake up until like 9 30 or maybe she was up already but she was just like sitting on her phone in her bedroom for an hour before she comes downstairs then she has to get ready which at 13 takes 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 a long time We're, we've <laughs> entered the it officially takes a long time to get myself together to pick up my outfit to do makeup to do i don't even know what is happening but it takes a long time sorry i will move on um but it's it is being mindful of your days right so it can feel like summer so abundant in the beginning but making sure are you waking up early enough are you getting uh out of the house are you actually doing the things that you want to be doing and knowing that there's rewards out there for doing that stuff i often don't want to leave the house and then i do and i'm like yeah, i'm so glad that i did that the other thing is i've been really thinking a lot about listen to an interview with a guy that i am i am fascinated by this guy kevin kelly who started a magazine called wired magazine and kevin kelly said to be really great at your work you have to be really great at your rest and that people underestimate the and i loved this the importance of goofing off and wasting time that in doing those things doing silly things don't like things that people go this is really what really spend your time doing that man <laughs> um and i have a couple of those i'm working on i'm working on a couple of man that's what you're that's what you're doing right now huh yep that's what that's what i'm doing so it's it's using that time and i think that that helps us to rest well so you could look it up. Kevin Kelly uh, talked to Tim Ferriss on his podcast about this, and and there's a snippet on YouTube. It's worth checking out and kind of letting that rattle around in your brain a bit. Mm. All right. Steph Shook is up next asking, um, I know I've asked before, but how can you keep your energy up after summer school? I have to take summer school again this year, uh, worried I will be burnt for next year and the musical I've planned. So I, I think it's that same idea of if we're working hard uh not just work hard play hard but it's like it's taking rest seriously and thinking about what do we need how much do we need so when i'm when i'm on my stuff and i'm getting a good amount of sleep um i am mindful of like when am I eating? Right. So like for me to get quality sleep, I know that I need to stop eating about two hours before I go to bed. I stop drinking or no, actually it might be even more than that. I think it's two hours. I stop drinking water and two hours before I, I go to bed. I stop drinking anything because otherwise, you know, end up, you got pee in the middle of the night seven times. So um, it's making sure I'm getting quality sleep. It's making sure I'm hanging out with quality people. It's making sure that I'm getting time with my family. I'm getting time to do things that I love. And knowing that those, even if those, some of those cost money, it is an investment in you. That time, that energy, that effort is an investment in you and it will pay dividends. But that when we don't do that, we hurt on the other side. So, and, you know, I just, I, I, I'm just thinking of a lot, not a lot of different ways that I'm kind of doing that. I'll give you one really quick example, just so this isn't just in theory, but, um, <clears throat> last Friday, uh, was 11 weeks that my son and I have been going to the gym, my, me and my 15-year-old son, um, for 11 weeks solid. We haven't missed a workout day. Five days a week we work out. And that is, man, I haven't worked out that consistently in a long time. But it's to the point now where we're even going to, it's going to cost me a little bit more, but we're going, we're, we're moving from Planet Fitness. It has been my, it's been my, fitness exercise planet for a long time. And so, um, <laughs> but there's a spot near our house 
that has a lot more to offer. They have rock climbing. They have a pool that you can do laps in. There's a, there's tons of other stuff there. And so, and it's a bit more money, but it's an investment in us. It's an investment in, in joy and in something new and something fun. And it's something that we've been doing. So it's like finding those little ways that you can make investments in yourself so that you can live stronger and, yeah. and do better. I think all those things are important, but Steph, as a mom and a busy mom at that, I would say it is. What do you think today's about moms? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, structuring your time. I think it's really like when you're home, it's like take, take, I, I love the part that when you talk about take rest seriously, right? Cause it's, you need to actually, when you're so busy, like you come off of summer school or you, you come off of like a project or something like really crazy busy and it like wipes you out. You need to listen to your body and you need to take a few days where you just don't do anything at home. I like, it's not even that long. Like I don't, you know, it's not like you need a week to do that. Like you could probably take really two solid days. If you didn't really do, you did bare minimum around your house. So like to keep it so you guys, you know, we're functioning like that you have some clean dishes, like every time you need it, but like take two days and really, really rest. Right. Like let the laundry pile up. Like it's okay. Like just rest. So you can really feel rested. And then when you're going into those next couple of days, it's like, just have a combo of rest and work, right? Like it's like scheduling and making sure I think we can get it all done when, when there's like intentionality behind it. That's what I find the best that helps me because I wear a lot of different hats and I do a lot of different things within our home and our business. And so it's hard to balance it all, especially with like I homeschool and, you know, I, I do all the, like, I just do a lot. And so I find that the best way is to really, really be intentional with those things. So when you're spending time with your kids, you're really spending time with your kids and schedule it in. It's like scheduling time really helps. Like all of that really does create a lot of freedom for your mind yes. and that moms have busy minds. And I know that that has been those two like small things, like scheduling things and really being intentional about the thing that you're doing has seemed to really help me. It's a great answer. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I put that uh the mom spin on there for you. Thanks. Because that's not something you can always rely on. I only have to. dad spin. I don't have I don't own mom spin. You don't. All right, I'm looking for a new question. So you do know, it. Can I it talk up. about my camera? Oh yeah, it's perfect time. All right. So uh Marley and I, we are we call ourselves street pirates and we go out on the streets and we look for stuff. Like we go to antique stores, we go to yard sales, and so town nearest had yard wide uh town wide yard sale the other day, and I found this Fisher Price camera that I'm pretty sure I owned when I was a little kid, right? So the beauty of, and for those of you that don't know, cameras used to not just be in your phone. You had to own this separate thing <laughs> and it would have this series of flashes that you had at the top, look it up. So you can look through it and take a picture. And I saw this and I was like, dude, I would freaking take this to school on Monday and I would annoy every kid with this thing. And, and when I say annoy, it's like kids get annoyed because you're just very like, you're being way. dumb. Yeah. And it's like, why are you being dumb near me? Because it's fun. And so well, I and just something I've around. learned from having teenagers is they don't always want to like, they want to have fun and do the silly and be the weird, but they don't want to show you that they want to yeah. do all that, but they love it. it. Yeah. Because I have no, it's just like too cool to laugh. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I would just walk around school and be like, Hey guys, your book picture. And then just start taking pictures mm -hmm. of everybody and that's what I would do with this tomorrow. So this was, this cost me $2. 
I, I didn't even haggle over the price because I was like, yeah, two bucks, man. Come on. At the antique store, this thing cost me like $35. I know, right? But um, yeah, this is what I would just have it in my room. And whenever I saw maybe like something fun or cute or kid doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing, I'd be like, are we doing? All right. I'm, you know what? We're documenting this. Now I have it. Now I'm going to show that picture to your mother. And it is dumb stuff like that that really gets kids to like either laugh or stop doing what they're doing or like take a momentary break it's a twist reality. I, what i love about it mostly is it's a twist on a way of play like you know you do need to get them to stop doing the thing that they were doing but it's like i can really just get you to do what i need you to do just by being silly and yeah. lighthearted or fun versus having to be like oh i told you yeah. you know that do i have to tell you again yeah stop do and instead I, even if i was saying that do i have to tell you again i'm not you know what i'm not even playing anymore come here there we go. Now I have proof. Now I don't even have to talk to you about it anymore. I'm going to send it to the principal immediately. Yeah, I love um, that. Um, real fast, I just want to say, I'm going to answer Nassim's question. Oh, he do. is asking, can you show us around the new place? It looks nice. Uh, I can Hold on, Nassim. We're th yeah. There will be a, uh, a video that comes out this summer that's on our list of to-do. So we can't show you around because we want to show you a full... A full and video we're having later. a new setup, uh, spoiler alert, new setup for uh, after. So we'll take June off from the from this, from the uh, live feed. And then it will show back up right after Fourth of July as people are getting ready to go. Some people are getting ready back to back to school. Um, and we're going to co-host this situation. We're going to have a whole new setup and a desk. And it's going to look like it's going to look like. Uh, but we'll show the office, Lake. too, because there's a lot of new stuff that, like, is just facing yes. you that people can't see. We're going to be Regis so, and Kathy Lee, baby. Oh, gosh. That's not the goal. Can we be seeing I'm Jack? already just can't even believe I'm going to be on a camera. Delilah. That's we're going to be. <laughs> Stop it. You just did that. Look, people, this is what I literally deal with, this ridiculousness all day. All day. Delilah. It's my life. Okay, let's move on to John Actually, Lopez. Okay. pretty good. Stop. <laughs> Moving on. All right. John is asking, what would you like to say to the first year teachers who are completing their first year in the classroom? Didn't we make a video like that? I it's possible. Maybe that was a mid-year. There are, there are, we are coming up on 600 videos. Um, so I can't remember. But uh, to first year teachers that have just finished teaching or getting ready to finish their first year, you have to rest hard this summer and i would say this i would say this john i do a couple of few like a three-prong approach here one start now write down everything that worked this year and everything that didn't you think you're going to remember last year next year what worked and what didn't work and you will you are sorely mistaken right write down what worked what didn't work then i want you to rest hard this summer like really, really put in time of rest, of goofing off, of silliness, of hobbies, of hanging out with people, of deeply filling yourself up. Um, and then, look, I'm going to say this, Lopez, and I wonder where you would land on this as well, but don't feel bad if you want to do school stuff in the summer. Like, I think there's time to take off and there's time to get like, it's fun to create things for your classroom. It's fun to teach. It's like when you are, think about this, you know, like when you are not doing paperwork, you're not filling out reports, you're not doing state testing, but you are just like 
sitting at home and you're trying to dream up like what's a new way we could do vocab what's a new way that i could teach this math concept what's a new way that we could explore molecules and then you start dreaming up new ways and that would be exciting that would be relevant that would be fun that would be cool that would maybe um bring a little bit of wonder and curiosity back to your classroom dreaming up some of those things that's what gets you excited but i think that you need to step away from the classroom to kind of get some of those ideas sometimes and then bring those back but like write those ideas down as you go through the summer i'm not saying you have to sit there and like build out worksheets and build out like um like lesson plans and stuff like that but to just kind of like have a, you know a section in your notes uh in your phone that you're constantly like you can write things down if you think of them and stuff like that like don't feel bad about that people it's like it's like when people when i used to listen to like the same song all the time and people be like don't listen to the same song you're not gonna like it anymore and it's like no it's so dumb and i do that with work too where people tell me like you you know don't work so much it's like but i really am enjoying what i'm doing like this is incredibly gratifying well, especially so if you I can take this? a break in the summer or like a little bit of a break and rest and and do fun things and then your the natural ability and desire to create comes back right yeah. it's when we're in our like more relaxed state that you that creativity comes and so it's like yeah, yeah the if it's there it's so like it, right? jump into it like it's not just a yeah. theory it's like a, it's a real thing that that music is so loud outside right now i know it is. I wonder, can anybody hear any of that know. music like in the background? I'm monetized on here for this. <laughs> um, John Lopez said, uh, I would also like to say, keep a few physical things from your first year and post them on a wall to remember how far you have come in a that's, year. That's a yeah, one, that's man. a great suggestion. You forget John. how much you've mm. changed over time. I mean, we were watching old family videos this morning and it's like, that's my favorite. Just you side note, that's my favorite thing to do on Mother's Day. Always is just to watch old videos. Fifteen of years like, ago, yeah. and I'm like, "What the hell?" Through the years of my kids, I have brown oh. hair. I know <laughs> it's so funny. Um, okay, are we ready for another question? Nasim is up asking, "What do you look for when you go for an interview? What do you look um, into for a school when walking into it?" I, I want to see Nasim. I, I try to picture myself being there cannot could i be here can i see myself walking these hallways talking to these kids is there a vibe or an energy in there that feels like something i could work with is it very strict the teachers is the discipline mean um but how do you know what are you are is there anything i think nasim let me try and help pinpoint his question a bit more i think he's looking for like is there like any signs specific signs that you would look for that you could gather that information or is it just a feeling that you get or a vibe so think, or the way people talk to each other or like how do you look how are you looking or finding those clues out for those sort of things so when i started in west philly i remember the day i went in there and it was such a stark difference from where i came from in camden because i noticed that one kids weren't running the halls there wasn't madness happening in every given spot there was student art on the walls all over the place and mm. not just like a cool picture that you made in art class that stuff's cool too but like murals that kids had painted that were incredible that it was like this is the kids school like mm. this is we are we are creating an establishment where learning is important that you know i remember sitting i was waiting in front of the front office there's a kid out there that was in trouble and i was like I go, hey man, what's up? Uh, my name's CJ Reynolds, and he was like, hey, what you know, what's going on or whatever. And I remember asking him. I said, um, "Did you get in trouble?" And he was like, 
yeah i got in trouble and i was like what happened he was like it was stupid like i did this thing and i shouldn't have done it but like even the fact that like i was talking to a kid that was in trouble then i saw the process right away of what was going to happen with him how they called him into the office how they talked mm. to him how he came back out i remember nick pascal like gave him a hug and like patted him on the back and like sent him back to class it was like small little things that like no it's yeah. not the big things they tell you about it's the nuance do the teachers look happy right like if you see someone come out and down the hallway and they're like yo what's up my man they give someone a high five or something silly's happening or something's fun watching how teachers are welcoming kids into the rooms how kids are leaving the classrooms are they running around are they talking to each other like what trying to pick up on those little things um is how i think some of the ways that we start finding is this a school that i think is a good fit for me it's in the small quiet spaces in between the big things that this that the administrators want to show you that we really see if this is a place for me hmm. that's all right that's a better answer thank you <laughs> i hope that answered that for you nasim i think so because uh he also asked said like Right. What if it's in, per in person? What should you look for and questioning and paying attention to? Yeah. What do you feel like? I like when I that? went to Boys Latin to interview, um, I asked if I could talk to students. Oh, you so did. they sent me on a tour of the school um, and with Tyler Jackson, who now mm -hmm. works there. And uh, he took me like so the teachers were giving me a tour. I asked if I could just go if I said, hey, would you mind like if if this young man like who was with us, like showed me around? They were like, oh, yeah. And then I just asked him about the school. Yeah. I saw him talking to his homies. I'd introduce myself to them. I'd put in a word and ask. That's, I met Dior that time and oh, stuff. Yeah. So it was like, it was in, that is how I think it's by asking people like, do you like working here? Like, what's, what do you yeah. love about work? If you could change one That's such thing, a great question and an easy one to get a real, like a, a good glimpse or answer. Like you'll see their facial reaction. Like there's a lot of other subtleties that you can look for um, that people should be paying attention. Interesting. Absolutely. All right. Um, well, Nassim is up asking, why is education challenging more than ever before? I think Nassim, part of it is because we keep trying to educate kids like it's 1955 and it's 2023. And oh, so goodness. we need to upgrade the way that we're doing things. We And we need to, you know, if there's one thing we've learned, like as a world, it is we have to learn how to care for students. And I know that there are a lot of teachers out there that don't want to do that. Right. And I, how do I know this? I'm not just making this up. I like learn from people. I talk to people that tell me they just want to teach and get in this to be a therapist. And neither did I. But if we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we have to start with these kind of basic needs. Are kids eating? Are they? And we do free and reduce lunch, even though it's generally garbage. But um, are we caring for kids? The kids feel feel safe in school. And when we can take care of some of those basic needs, which isn't this big, extensive thing that has to happen. It's very, very simple how to do this. But it's really caring for kids on all facets so that they can feel safe. To, to grow so that they can feel excited about being here so they can actually just be here. They can not focus and think about the 27, you know, the fact that I'm hungry or I'm unsafe in the hallways, or I'm afraid to go to the bathroom or I'm getting bullied or picked on or whatever, anything like that. I can just show up, feel loved, feel cared for and learn. But instead we are running things like, like stuff hasn't changed in the last even four years in education. So we need to, do a far better job of equipping teachers. I think that we need to do a better job of taking things off teachers' plates so that they can go have like um, 
simple and deep instead of wide and complex, as Mr. Rogers says. And I think only then will we start creating these institutions of learning that like that really are caring for the whole child, not just downloading facts into their brains. Yeah, I think Roger, uh, someone in the comments, Roger said uh, he, he feels like that. That's not true. Nobody acts like it's the 50s. Um, so I think I tried to clarify, we were talking more about the model of school, not necessarily the teachers. Certainly. So, all right. So what do I mean by that? I think we are still doing things by and large the same way that we've always done them. And look, this isn't every school and it's not every teacher, right? This is a generality that I'm making. Well, and you just talked about all kinds of great schools that don't do anything like that. There's tons of schools right? that are doing great stuff. But there tons are a lot of, of schools that are, that are really, stuff. really yeah, but when I go model. in the schools and I work with teachers and they say like this is how we do it, it's still this a lot of this old drill and kill. It's a lot of downloading kids with information. It's seventh graders sitting through fifty minute lectures, um, to and it's not. It's like still doing poster board projects. It's still a lot of the same old thing, and some of those tactics and and ways that we have done things over years are not even bad, right? Like I'm not even discounting all of it, but there's ways to upgrade it. There's ways to make it for this generation. And I think that there, so there's a lot of that that needs to be taken care of so that kids can show up and learn and do better and teachers too. I feel like they should like, let's not be attacked, right? It's, there's just upgrades. Like I, I look at um, the pandemic showed that there was a lot of upgrades that businesses had to take when there was this new jump. It's like, you know, even like just basic example, our water and sewer bill in the township, it used to be, you had to go into the municipal building to make a payment on yeah. it. And now th because of the pandemic, they had to upgrade and move with the times and what people needed, yeah. which was a digital platform. And so now you can go and pay it online. So, it's like, it's not, it's, it shouldn't just be like, everything has to upgrade. Like, why shouldn't education be one of those things as well? I think, and this is a much larger conversation, but it's being careful with those upgrades as well, because I think what we did oh, yes. during the pandemic is a lot of, in education, we moved towards digital, we moved towards just because you move to digital, let me clarify, that's not an upgrade always. Like I'm, you yeah. know, it is for a business, but when you're in the education system, it's not quite as simple, but yeah. there, I'm talking about the actual model of the school. Like you were saying really needs, could use some upgrades. It hasn't yeah. been upgraded. In, yeah. I think in teachers a are using a lot of technology, time. not as tools, but as. Oh yes. Like, it's like, just go on full vocabulary and do the thing. And it's like, we're not doing anything. That doesn't make like, it any fun. Right. Yeah. We're copying from one, a textbook to a digital notebook. Yeah. It's like, that's not really. Paperless. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's like, it. okay. That's a longer conversation. I know. All right. Well, Nassim is up next again, asking, uh, when you were a teacher, how did you budget yourself? Horribly. I got into tons of debt when I was first started teaching. Uh, I made $31,000 a year, um, which in the New, New Jersey, Jersey, Pennsylvania is area is nothing especially when you have a mortgage that's $2,000 a month um, for a row home. Um, so it's like, you're just not making a lot of money. And so, and then when I first started teaching, we didn't get paid in the summer either. Your last paycheck was June 15th. You didn't get another paycheck till September 15th, which meant I had to work like three and four and five jobs in the summer sometimes to make enough money to take care of, you know, I was head of household. And so, um, I think if I went back, I would do things much differently. Uh, but I think it's, you know, it's, I, 
teaching in a lot of places is very hard to do without a side hustle anymore. I, I certainly would not have been able to survive the last, I don't know. Well, again, it goes back to years. show, uh, I think the, for women, it's lower pay. It's primarily a woman's role is yeah. for teachers. And it is so true because to be a teacher and to be a head of household, like ha the head of the income for a household, it's just not enough. Yeah. And we know from personal experience, like it was just never And that's enough. tricky too, because it was, it was like, but if I did it and you worked somewhere needs, else, so you couldn't yep. just go back to work. Right. So it was not, we had different circumstances, but for anybody like, right. Even if you are not special needs children, it just wouldn't work even yeah. in for a head of household. It's for, always, for sure. it's a lot of like, Unless Oh, two my husband does this. And then I'm a teacher. Yeah. Right. That's usually how it works. Yeah. Um, okay, John Fox is up next asking, how much should we allow students to get up slash walk around the classroom? Feels like it should be allowed, but it quickly gets out of hand with some students. Faults or advice for fifth grade? So, John, I think it it's, you know, that is a good question. It's like when kids have to go to the bathroom. Um, I was always uncomfortable when kids would ask me to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, to go to the bathroom. Um, it, like, I don't feel like this is a thing that I need to uh, be the the lifeguard on or something like that. It felt like I was policing kids in ways that it was like, is this what we're doing? So, however, um, we have to remember that like, it's kids are going to do dumb stuff, right? They're going to touch somebody. They're going to go shiny object gets their attention. And the next thing you know, like there's too many people up and walking around and doing things. So I think it's having conversations with kids about these. Look, do we need to, right? Because this is what it comes down to. It doesn't come down to just what I want. It comes down to what do you all need? So do we need to have a lot of rules and regulations around when we can stand up, when we can get up, when we can walk somewhere, when we can do something, whether it's sharpening a pencil, whether it's throwing out a piece of trash. Um, that was another one when kids would say, can I sharpen a pencil? And it's like, do I re like, is this really a question that I need to answer for you? Or could you just, you know, stand up and go sharpen your pencil and do it in a civilized manner. Um, so it's having those conversations and then feeling it out. So John, if you have classes that you feel like, yeah, they can just do it. Like I don't say stuff. This is not that class. Like if you need to go to the bathroom, just give me a heads up. Yo Reynolds, I'm going to the bathroom. Or um, I would ask kids sometimes to just check in with me before going to the bathroom because I might have something I was about like some, knowledge bomb I was about to drop something fun we were about to do we were going to transition to outside so I might say like yo listen go to the bathroom but then we're going to be on the front steps when you come back like it's making sure because kid, kids always know what's coming up next and then having that conversation hey look y'all do we need to do this or like can we just handle like getting up to throw out a piece of trash in, in the trash can um and and having that feeling right and then making your decision based on that I think also having that conversation with kids about, hey, look, I want to trust y'all. Like I think, like I want to, I want to trust you to do the right thing and, and to make the right choices. Can I do that? Because I, you know, if you can't, then what's going to happen is we are not just disrupting ourselves. You're disrupting me, and you're disrupting the learning of the other students in the classroom. So ultimately, this has little to do with your inability. It's not just about you screwing around. It's about, are you impacting the education of the other people around you? That's a bigger problem. 
that now you, we can't have people just walking around because I'm seeing that you're walking around. These five kids are getting distracted, which means more kids are getting distracted. Then I lose everybody. Then we got to come back. Now we're not doing what we need to do. That's not going to happen in here, right? I'm, we're trying to help you be as successful as humanly possible. And so that's how I would kind of think about that. Okay, our next question is coming from Ryan asking, when you made the transition out of the classroom, what are some things that you did or discovered that made it successful or easier? So um, I think transitioning out of the classroom, anything we've had that's been successful, I would say in large part is because we have no backup plan. Um, I, I mean, I could always, I guess I could go back and teach somewhere or, or get a job, but like, I don't have a two week paycheck coming in. I got to hustle all the time. I'm constantly thinking of ways that like, how can we make this lucrative without just making, I don't want to put things on teachers. I don't want to, I, I would, man, I would love to run a business, Ryan, where I didn't have to charge teachers for anything. I would love if schools or districts had to pay for things, but then teachers got the PD, right? They didn't have to pay for the workshop. Um, However, not all schools provide those opportunities. So we create workshops for people. We are working on things like resources for people and all kinds of other stuff that's going to help teachers. But um, that was some of it. And the other one is more than ever, I have to live and die by the calendar and my schedule. It has to be so dialed in because it's so easy. Every morning I could chill. I have, there's no one making me do anything. I could play video games. Every morning I could eat crappy breakfast. I could just be sitting there eating Eggos and playing video games and doing whatever I want and kicking it a little bit on, on YouTube if I want to, but I can't. I get up very early. I put in specific work in the morning. I go take my daughter to school. I go to the gym right away. I come home. I work for the rest of the day till five o'clock. We stop and have dinner with the kids. Then we go we typically go back to work after that. And so it is having that schedule has, I think, been the thing that changed the most. What do you got, buddy? I want to say if a different, if you took a different spin on that question yeah, sure. and you thought about it in the way of like, what made your transition to leave the classroom, leave students, like leave education in that way. If I were looking at, at that question that way yes. for you, I would say that you a hundred percent like Looking on the outside at watching you go through that transition, I actually saw that you were so intentional about like your decision before you even made it that once you got there and transitioned, you were so ready for the transition because you the decision to even get there was so serious and arduous and a long process for you that you were so sure by the time you were at the end of that journey and ready to make that mm. transition out. And so I think when you're transitioning out of the classroom for the right reasons versus just out of like, I can't do this. I hate education. Like that kind of transition can, that, that one can leave you not completely fulfilled in like it, in a difficult spot to like emotionally, right. Emotionally. That's what I'm talking about. But for you, your decision to leave the classroom was a long and well and hard thought out process. So there was no second guessing or unsure or like, no, because the decision, the work to, to get to the decision was so thorough that once the decision was made, it was, it felt exactly what we should be doing and at peace with the decision. So I think if you're looking at this question in that way, like, um, 
for anybody other, any teachers who are like thinking about that or going to do that transition, I would say it has to be made with intention. Um, and so what does that look like real quick? Let me say, what does it look like when I decided that I was no longer going to go back to my school? It was for, oh my gosh, man, even the year before, I think I was talking, I had a, I talked to my therapist about it. I talked to my spiritual advisor about it. I talked to my close circle of, of people who I really, really trust that I know I'm not going to say something to. They're just going to tell me what I, what I want to hear. They're going to tell me what I need to hear. It was having conversations with my wife. It was praying about it. It was journaling about it. It was making, thinking like taking long stints of time and thinking like, well, what would this look like when I'm done? Like, how could I turn this into a full-time job? and still really take care of my family. And because there's a lot of expensive needs in our house. And so it was, and then it was ultimately, what is that feeling that I have? Is this feeling that I have to leave because I'm mad or because I'm upset or because I don't like how things are anymore? Um, and that's fine. That is totally fine to leave for those reasons. But what am I going to do with that anger. And what I did with that, with my frustration, with where things got to in my school and in education at large was I want to help teachers. I want to help schools create spaces where learning is fun. It is enjoyable. I want classrooms. I want teachers to have classrooms that they want to walk into every single day. I want to have create, help teachers create culture, help schools create culture that you people are, ex they are thrilled that they work here with these people doing this work. Um, and so that idea, and then the idea that we could actually, we could really do that. We were, we've already been doing it for six years up until then to be able to say in the seventh year, we're going to go full tilt on that. And then what's that going to look like? That has been incredibly exciting. And I haven't thought twice about it. Did I make the right decision? Now, I will say the thing that is the most difficult, as everyone would assume, is that you leave your students. Um, and so that has been, I thought I would have a lot more interaction with students this year, but running your own business takes up such an enormous amount of time that has been very, very difficult. Now, it does happen. I mean, Friday, we went out with an old student to dinner. Last night, I was at a graduation. Uh, my man, Miles, Miles Bird, graduated from Temple Gosh, University. Yeah. Um, so went to Philly and went to his graduation party at his grandmom's house and grandmom did it. It was fantastic. Man, a great night. It was night. so fun. So, um, it's, there's still a lot of that, but it's not where I am, but even that I have kind of on a shelf of like, this is still important, but I need to take care of. Well, family. there's levels, right there's levels first. to everything. Yeah. Right. And at this level and of our, of us and real rap with Reynolds, it's just us. It's a lot it's of, it's like a lot of little, right we have a very not, teeny, teeny, tiny team. Yeah. Team. So cool. Hit it. Um, okay. So Nassim is up asking, how do you overcome colleagues and admin challenges, especially if you're young? Um, Nassim, I just want to say you, you ask really great questions. Does, I love all your questions. Really questions. Um, how do you overcome colleagues and administrative challenges, especially when you're young? I, you know, do you have, I think I know what I want to say for this, but I'm curious yeah, I have an answer. Um, yeah. Well, I think I think it's you have to be open to actually listening to them and, and maybe believing that what they're saying is true because you're young, right? Anybody that's young um, 
understands that when you're young, you just don't know as much as people who are older generally. And when you know, when you've experienced more in life, there comes a level of wisdom or it should with everybody yes. and not everybody that does. So it's that. like, should, you yeah. do have to figure out like, are they really just like nagging on you? Is it like, what is it that, what are the challenges specifically is going to depend on how you handle it. Um, but two, if it's, if it's critique wise, I would say be open to listening and open to hearing people instead of feeling attacked or it's a judgmental thing. Um, I think yeah. that is something really hard when you're young, at least for me and my life experience, young meant like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like I just get nasty. Like I just get quick to like, right. Um, so I think it's, it's being open to listen. So I, my answer is going to be similar. It is, you need to grow you. Yeah. Facts. And so I would do a deep dive of I just downloaded or downloaded saved on YouTube today. Um, it's Jim Rohn's communication workshop. Uh, it's like 50 minutes. Um, and but it's like doing deep dives on things like that, where it's like, hey, I'm having a problem with my boss. Let me look up stuff on how to deal with a difficult boss. Mm. Uh, I know Jocko Willink has talked at length about that. So it's really it's trying to grow you so that you can deal with situations. You can deal with problems. You can deal with colleagues better and you don't need them to change. We're not waiting for them to change. Yes. I need to change. That's exactly so I what I was going to say. So he said it's specifically jealousy and nagging. So, right. If you have uh, someone who's an admin or a colleague um, that's older and they're jealous or nagging, it's like, you're not going to change that person. Yeah. You have to grow you to be able to handle people who are jealous and naggy. Cause it's not like, they're just not going to change. You, you can't do anything to change that. Like you, that's out of your control. The only thing that you can have control over is your own emotions and your own way that you respond and how you handle those folks. But yeah. yeah there, and be. look, there's people that do that. They're like, um, who else am I thinking of? Uh, there's another business guy. I'm forgetting his name. Um, John Maxwell talks about this a lot where it is, here's the problem. Here's what's going on. Here's what's happening. And then how can I deal with this person better? Because look, the fact of the matter is, is that in schools where things are falling apart, where people have poor leadership, where people have teachers that they're working with that aren't nice, that are rude, that are not fair, that whatever, there are people Someone somewhere is finding success in these situations. Yep. We need to look for what those thing people are doing and understand that success leaves clues and then just implement what they're doing. Find what's working for them. And that might feel hard, might feel like a stretch, might feel like this is uncomfortable and unnatural for me. But if you really want it, it's like, how bad do you want it? And so it is learning how to do some of those things and, I, it has unbelievable impact on your whole life when you can yeah. do that. Uh, John Lopez said some colleagues and administrators forget what it was like when they were young. Yeah, they do. Right. Yeah. But I also think that some teachers forget what it's like to be young for students. Like when we expect students to like this regimented behavior all the time. And it's like, do you remember what kids, what it was like being a kid? Yeah. It's like, they're just squirrely like all the yeah. time. <laughs> or you know what, babe? Like you weren't that kid. Right. Yeah, you enjoy, you became a teacher because mm. you loved school. You, you, it came That's easier for you. Right. And you, you know, your parents were supportive. There, there were other things that like, we have to realize that like, we're not teaching little us's. Uh, we are teaching 
all little, kinds of different people. Them's. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really have a, one back. <laughs> well, Nassim's asking, what's easier, first year or second year teaching? What do you think? Second year. Uh, mm. Yes. Um, Someone said, yeah, second year for especially if you have like a little file of materials if like, you're, built up. Yeah, if you're teaching the same thing. But even like you just know, you just, you're in the know now. And so, yeah. And ultimately, it should be getting easier every single year. But I felt I felt something around like year five where it was like I felt that feeling of I could settle right now. I could I know exactly what I'm going to do this year. I know what's worked, what didn't work. I could ride out those didn't works, um, just grit my teeth and get through it. But man, I could I could begin coasting. And I think that's a tricky place to be in to decide whether or not you're going to keep going hard and expanding and being the best teacher for these students. Or if you're just going to say, Nope, I got it. I figured it out. Just ride off. That's a scary place. All right. Uh, Dustin is up next. Um, it's a bit, let me see if I have, I think it's a two-parter, but Go let ahead. me read it out. It says, uh, asking, I'm not sure how to exactly ask this question, but I have a high school junior in my class. Let's call him Kay. Kay's a pretty big bully and often curses and threatens other students. He doesn't let any teachers connect with him. He has a, a BIP that lets him get away with a lot of undesirable behaviors, such as headphones and phone usage and frequent walkarounds uh, of campus. All that being said, he doesn't have any friends, and now other students are starting to push back and complain about his pain behavior uh parents start there let me see if i can find the rest that's a great question well do you have anything to start with yeah well i'm gonna see i don't know where it is though and there's a lot of comments in here today um okay so let me know if you find it yeah and mm -hmm. i'll start right so first of all dustin this is such an important question and then big question look i can't see my face um <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> so gosh all right I can't find the other part. To me, I think most of us on here have taught this kid before. Uh, and, and where I think this starts is there's all the regular stuff that's going to happen. There's all, there's the, the BIP, there's going to be the 504 plan. Maybe there's an IEP in there. Maybe there's, um, you know, any number of things. It is, to me, has to be a person-to-person -person connection with this individual. There is a reason that they are acting out like this, why they are cursing all the time, why they're bullying, why they are threatening other students. And I think that there's a couple of things in here, right? One, you might, you might be the, the person that this kid needs to, to make that switch. You and and or you and your your community, right? They're the teachers that have the students, or at least a small group of them, might be able to start creating the space to get this kid to to learn about who they are, why they're doing what they're doing. That there's another alternative to this, right? So that's that's part of this. Is like it is that deep and uncommon level of caring that could start to bring a kid out of this. And I, look, I've been there. I've, I've orchestrated some of these things and started really, really, really loving on kids and trying to create classes that they want to come to, trying to really listen to them, eating lunch with them every single day. Um, 
seeing, you know, providing opportunities in the summer, providing opportunities after school for them to come in and connect with me and do stuff. And I've seen it work. I've seen it where you can't even, that kid walks across the graduation stage and it is one of the greatest joys of your life is watching that happen because you were like, man, we did it. We helped, we actually helped this kid out who was going to go a different way. Now, let me say this. There's another side of that where either you're not going to be, you might plant the seed, but you're not going to see the outcome. And I just think that because you don't see the harvest doesn't mean that your contribution didn't matter, right? It's something that uh, one of my mentors tells me all the time. Because you didn't see the harvest doesn't mean the contribution didn't matter. So maybe you are the planter of the seed. Someone else is going to water that seed. Someone else is going to care for that kid going forward. And, and you won't even know that that kid had a life change or that they, they got it together or that their life ended up being this abundant, incredible experience. Now, there's other kids that they're just not going to change because we, we don't have the, the school doesn't have the resources. Right. And, and look, I understand everything can't come down to the school. And, but even when schools have resources, maybe it's not enough therapy or enough counseling, or we don't have what is needed to really help this child or that child is just like, they just don't want to, there's not a want to want to be better, to want to be a, a good student. Right. And, and that's, you know, th those are difficult pills to swallow, to realize that like, man, I want to see how this turns out. And I want it to turn out for the best. In those cases, I think the other thing that has to be really important is we are looking at the other students. We're having conversations with kids about, are we bullying people back just because they are bullying us? Or are we finding better ways to deal with this? Are we looking out for one another? Are, are we as educators creating classes where when I'm, for, you know, because I know this is like when you're lesson planning and K that student K is in, they're the one that you go, we can't do that because K is going to mess it up. We can't do small groups. We can't go anywhere outside of the classroom. We can't, I'm, I'm embarrassed to have someone come in and speak to my class like as a guest because K might, you know, lose it. We have to create classes where that is not, that, that one student is not dictating how I'm going to do stuff because all that's happening there is everybody else is losing out on an opportunity. So there needs to be a plan in place for what happens when K can't um, perform, can't act appropriately, is being like incredibly inappropriate so that they are going to the office, they are going to the therapist, they're going to the counselor. We're doing something, but we cannot stop awesomeness from happening because someone is going to, you know, someone, you, you don't not have a pee part or a pool party because someone's going to pee in your pool right? It's just like, no, we have to figure out a way around that. And we have to figure out something to do with that. So that's how I would be thinking about it. But it's also, you know, for every kid that we have like that, it's really looking for <clears throat> um, how can I help in this situation and, and helping the rest of your class, helping that student grow, but also helping your students grow also with learning how to deal with being a bully. This gives you a great opportunity to care for kids that feel like they're being bullied and not cared for to look at kids that are getting cursed at, to look at kids that are like someone's threatening them and to care for them through that, to walk through that with them is a really great opportunity to build connection and to build character in young people. I will say that not every kid is ready for the love, the advice, the, the thing, but Absolutely. it doesn't mean that they're not 
able to be that in the future. They're not yeah. broken. They're not lost. They're not um, just because someone has been through trauma and damage and doesn't mean that they're like a worthless, like to never yeah. receive it. It's like, they'll get there eventually at some point they have to, well, hopefully, the, the, right. right. Hopefully the point is that they have to want it to, to be able yeah. to actually do anything with it. Yeah. And look um, for those kids, when you just tell me I'm not doing it and it's, and I've tried everything. It's like, listen, you cannot get this much of my attention anymore. This isn't this, you can't be a black hole of attention. I am now going to pivot and start pouring far more attention into the rest of the students when, and I'm not giving up on you, but I'm just letting you know when you're ready, let me know. And I'll show back up like that. And I'm not holding any grudges. I'm not mad at you. I'm not like, Oh my gosh, now you want to do this. Um, I'm there for you as soon as you want it, but I just can't stay here, right? Because it's not a good use of my time and energy. I'm turning it to the rest of the class. When you want to try, when you want to care, when you want to talk, when you want to give something, show. let me know. And man, I'm on it and we will ride this out together and I'm not, I will be your ride or die. But if you don't want to do it, I'm not just going to sit here with you. That's a terrible use of time. Cool. Yes, absolutely. All right, right an hour. Yes, let's. We good? Yep. Let's I'm go sorry, Mother's everybody. Day it up. Yes. So look to all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day to you. If your school is looking, now is the time that schools are often looking for folks to come and speak at their school. You can go right to our website or hit me up at realrapwithreynolds at gmail.com. Um, and I'd be happy to send you any information of what it would look like to do a keynote or a, or just um, a professional development session or breakout sessions or run your whole week of professional development. Like you let me know um, or put me in contact with someone at your school and I'd be more than happy to have that conversation. And look, when we do that, we take care of everything on our end. We try to let schools just like not have to worry about it. We are going to show up and give you something extraordinary. So, um, and by we, I mean me, because I'm the only one that's going to come to your school. My wife's not coming with me. Who's going to feed my dog? Um, <laughs> <laughs> or kids, you know? <laughs> I just, I just domestically. Well, oh, that's I, okay because I, that, openly that's what i do here like i i'm okay so with this role than that so much more <laughs> thank you um so look gang i i'm so glad that you're all here i hope you have a wonderful rest of your sunday and we will see you back next we only got two more weeks left of this yeah, for this yeah. season and we're taking off for june so um uh, we will see you then right yep cool peace mm -hmm.